Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let me get you up to speed. My friends Pete and Tim have never heard of the hit before, and I'm taking them on a tour through their discography. So far, I'd say we're right where I thought we would be. The EP was confusing, but up to here brought something intriguing to the table for the boys. They're liking it. They're getting it. And this is exciting for me. Now, we move on to Road Apples. With Don Smith back at the helm, the hip were ready to create something special. From the opening thunder of Little Bones to the sweet and sad of Fiddler's Green, this record saw the hip building on their previous experiences and coming out the other side as a better live band with better live material to dig into. Will Pete and Tim continue to enjoy their journey? Find out on today's episode of Getting Hip to the Hip. Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip. Hey, it's JD here, and welcome to Getting Hip to the Hip. I am joined by my friends Pete and Tim, as I am every week. Fellas, how are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Pete? Fantastic, he says. Yeah. Yeah, we're all doing fantastic, because we got to spin a really good disc this week. We got to spin Road Apples. The Hips' second full-length album, released in 1991, and uh, this is a doozy. This is a doozy. This has got uh, Greg Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip during the fully podcast. When he said, "You know, it's it's only a couple years removed from up to here, which is only a couple years removed from the EP." where they sounded so stiff and, and you know, maybe even a little awkward in the studio. Uh, but up to here, they brought it, and it, it was a fantastic record as a result uh, with, with Road Apples, though there's a bit of swagger there. There's a bit of swagger on this record. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, I'm only laughing because I literally, in my notes, I have that word written down. Oh, serious? I, I swear right. to God, if I could share my screen with you, I would. Oh, that's, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, swagger, right? There's, there's swagger there. And I, I can't disagree with that. It's, it's up to here with a swagger. And it's even more tightly composed than up to here. And it's even, well, I mean, it's, it's produced in New Orleans. Um, Don Smith is back at the helm. 
that's got to help. New Orleans has got to help. There's just a lot going in in favor of this record. You know, there's a lot to to, um, to unpack, and uh, I can't wait to unpack it with you. So why don't we start at the start, like we always do, and tell me a little bit about how you listened to this record the first time. Um, give me, you know, your experience with this record. Tim, we'll start with you. Uh, this one I had less car time you know the past couple listens previous albums i had a lot of car time going on and it seemed to suit it really well and uh, this time around i was home more so i was able to kind of be a little bit differently focused and um yeah i i was with it being the third i was expecting kind of just certain level out of it from production from song cadence everything and uh and it hit hit the mark in some areas and fell in a couple that i was surprised by but I, overall i i think there's uh some really strong tracks on here that i'm you know excited to get into yeah me too okay how about you pete so i don't want to give away the farm too much because i, I know we're going to kind of go by track track by track but i'll tell you um, I myself did not have a lot of drive time. I, this is one record where I wish I was still living in California because there's a lot of drive time in LA. And um, I feel like this is the record where if you're following like an indie band or an up and coming band and they're coming out with EPs or like indie shit that, that just like is like a like some guy at your local record store. Mine was Middle Earth in Downey, California when I was a kid. And uh, some guy like slips you something is like, listen to this. So you're in the know. This third record, not to say the other ones weren't really well produced, is like where if I'm a fan of the first two and I'm like, I really like where this band's going. This is interesting. This is the one where I'm like, holy shit. They've really... Um, They've really swung for the fences here, and they've really established themselves. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to give it away, but I, I'm going to say it probably a hundred times during this podcast that um, th- this is really the record where Cord Downey, you're like, okay, now I get it. For me, <laughs> I was like, okay, because I maybe it's just because of. I've listened to a lot more of them since we've been doing this, but um, this is the one where, you know, it's come up a couple times about like, oh, you know, why didn't they get popular in the, in the United States and blah, blah, blah. Me as an American, like, I'm like, fuck, why the, what the fuck? Why didn't they? I mean, this record, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. So I very sure. much enjoyed it. So Tim, was Gord Downey part of your equation at all in, in this? You know, um, Pete mentioned that, uh, you know, he, he, it was like an aha moment. I just wonder if, um, if you have, if, if that was anything for you. I don't think as much. No, nope. I think, uh, no, I think I still kind of, you know, I'll go track by track and listen to everything and go back and listen to it a few more times. And I still think comprehensively this, this album, I think is the strongest one for sure out of, the three, you know, most, um, just, you could definitely hear the band has some miles, some kilometers under them. 
but there's a, but there's a couple but there's a couple uh there's a couple question marks in there though there's you know i'm i'm like wait, i'm waiting for this this continuous solid feeling of an album from them and i know it's going to happen and i thought it might happen on this one but there's a couple parts where i was just still a little head scratchy so okay well well let's dive right into that uh, thinking this is an interesting record five singles come off this record little bones three pistols twist my arm long time running and on the verge we kick the record off with little bones wait can i ask something real quick sure not to not to jump the shark you mean to tell me fiddler's green was not a Single? <laughs> no, it was not. How is that fucking possible? Anyway, let's we'll get to that. But Jesus, what? Sorry. <laughs> so kick it off, Tim, if you want to start off with Little Bones, man. Uh, okay, so yeah, this I thought this song started off great. Um, the tempo is awesome. Like, out the gate, this I was excited about this song. Um, what else? Let's see. Uh, maybe around the three-minute mark. There's a jam. Uh, there's this really strong bass line coming in and out. You know, there's there's really good guitar work. Um, I was thinking this song would be epic to hear live. This could be like a kickoff at a live show for a song to play. Just was really, really digging this song. And then at the very end, it kind of crushed me because there's a fade out. <laughs> it fades out and to me you know 80s 90s fade outs it makes me think of like van halen or acdc or songs that you like dug and then they cheap out on the ending so i was kind of pissed to be quite frank i was into little bones and then the last five five seconds i'm like come on you guys this is like a pet peeve of me, even even my son. You know, we'll hear songs and we'll be like, dude, what what would it have taken to actually have a finish to the song? And how does this song finish live? Like if this just a production pet peeve of mine. Overall dug the song. Last last three or five seconds kinda crushed it for me. In not a good way. <laughs> so you know the way I feel about fade outs. The song is going on forever. Yeah, I've heard you say that before. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's, that's how I like it. I want a closer. <laughs> I need I need closure on a tune. You're gonna you put that much effort into the whole song and it's killer and awesome and then it's like, how do we end this guys? Right. Eh. Just dial down the just dial it down at the end. It's fine. Let's get on to the next one. Fuck you! Come on! You brought me on this journey. Close the damn door. Don't shove me out of the car while you're driving. Give me a break. <laughs> Tim is pissed. Yeah. Oh I mean, I, loved, I, I, dug really the, I, dug, I dug the song, and then it faded out. So I was a little bit. What do you think, Pete? Well, I think it's safe to say that Tim's not a fan of French films. Um, you know, like, right? <laughs> like, okay, he films like... different. This is, these are songs. These are chapters within a whole book. You know? He doesn't want. Come on. He doesn't. He wants the the, the 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 boy and the girl to come back together at the end. He wants the the you know the, everything to like fit. No, I'm joking. 
But if um, I'm at a restaurant and I have room for dessert and the guy's like, yeah, we don't serve desserts. I'm like, fuck you. What are you doing here then? <laughs> That's how I feel. No, I, I feel you. Um, I, I, my focus, like little bones, a lot of the same stuff you said, I think it's a banger. I love the way the rhythm of the guitar starts and uh, it's offset with the beat of the drums, kind of the way it comes in. You, it, the way, the, way the, the brain and the toe, uh, when you're tapping the toe, gets the rhythm of the guitar, um, completely changes once the, uh, the drums come in. It's like syncopated. Like it's, the start is great, and it's, it, it really gets your blood flowing. Again, live would have been fucking righteous. Um, the rolling bass, another one of my notes. The line, I mean, I just... Christ, I I regret. I mean, whatever. We can talk about this a million times on any future episodes, but like never getting to see this band live. Like hearing Gord Downey sing, like in one case, 250 for a highball. That line is just fucking cool. Just the way he delivers it. It's just... I don't know. I, I, I didn't analyze the lyrics. I didn't really look them up, but I just was like, I picked gems out of songs, and that one was just. Yeah. So, Lil Bones, dug it. Dug it. Absolutely dug it. Dug it more when I took it in the car, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good happy hour menu item. 250 for yeah. the eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> Which he does mention happy hour in there. It's, yeah. Oh, it's oh. a fun. It's a fun, good song. It really, honestly, you know, as I said, it's a good kickoff song to an album, and it made me want to know what it sounds like live. I did not look it up, but I'm I'm definitely finding the song live to listen to to see how they end it. We will get to a live record as well. Excellent, a live record that will be just around the corner. Twist my arm. In terms of this song, at the first listen. I didn't like the opening and the repeating lick throughout the song. I was like, this is, this is cheesy. I don't like this. And I just think I wasn't catching the groove. Again, I took it in the car, completely different experience. Um, I really start, it really started growing me. One of the interesting things that happened during the song, I, I wrote down. I didn't write it down while I was driving, but that's when it happened. And I remembered it because it was so unique. Because I couldn't hear it on the headphones I was listening to before, but at some point in the song, multiple times, there's this droning that comes in from a guitar from the left, and it pans over to the right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I yeah? can hear that. Okay, so it's 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 if you're just listening on regular headphones, maybe you won't get it. But if you're in a car, as JD knows, I have a premium sound system in my car, so. Uh, but hearing it go from left to right, and the crazy thing was, is I was driving past the airport. So I'm on my way to the mall, and I'm hearing this going left to right, and I'm I'm looking out the window of the car going, what the fuck is that? And then it happens again, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's the song. Like, it was just, it's it, it doesn't, I don't think I would ever think to put that in a song if I was writing it. Because I don't think it makes sense, but it made sense for this, and it was really cool. And just so happened to be that I was coming past the airport because it sounded like a plane coming over my head. Because you know how close that freeway is to the airport, JD. You've been there, yeah, in Malaga. Yeah. I got to check that out in the car then. <laughs> that was cool. Doing it. Yeah, do it. 
I thought this twist my arm was uh, the lyrics were a little more non sequitur than usual. They oh. just seemed like stacked up good one liners, which was which was unusual, you know. Yeah. Girl sick cows motel moans big fat Jones like what's going on here? I mean, that's just <laughs> fun. That's just fun. Just funny. I don't know. Serious funny banter. Um, this one kind of had this mellow cadence more than usual with really good, almost funky baseline. I'm starting to hear like stronger baselines come through, which is killer. I mean, that's something I love. Um, the wrap up, you know, the last 15 seconds is kind of fun, like thought through ending. Don't need to say much more about that. It's, um, I thought it was, well, you, a, you did it, but you got uh, it. I thought it was a decent second song. It kind of seemed like a a bit of a filler song, but a little bit different to me than the usual stuff so far. Mostly because of the lyrics were just a little bit, a little bit more out there. Because you've been looking at the story in in all the in all the lyrics many before. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, from there we get the third track on the record, and that is Cordelia. Based on a, the film ran. Yeah, which is based on a story, um, uh, King Lear. And this song is loosely based on King Lear's fourth daughter, not the two that told him everything he wanted to hear, not the one who was completely indifferent and loved him as she always had, but the fourth one. This is uh, called Cordelia, but it should be called Betty. On the plains, spitting from a bridge, just to see how far down it really is. Robbing a bank, jumping on a train, old antiques a man alone can entertain. Take all your power, prove that you don't care. I'm not Cordelia, I will not be. Yeah. 
just to see how far down it really is. Rubbing a bank, jumping on a train. How did that track wash over you? Okay. Um, I'm going to, and I said this in the kind of the intro that I'm, I'm going to say this a lot during this record now, how many more times during the, during the pod while we're going through it. But the, well, the chords of the song as somebody who's picked up a guitar once in my life, once or twice, the chords are wildly boring. And, and before you like say, whoa, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm just listening to the chords. I'm just like, this is just, come on, man. It's just, you just know where, you know, the next chord of everything. There's nothing interesting, right? And um, then you get to the vocals. The vocals are just insanity with this song. And I feel like this is the record where Gord Downey really becomes like he's you realize that he's the um if you go to the circus he's the he's the fucking lion tamer you know sure you got the elephants for these folks the trapeze folks but nobody gives a shit about any of the other stuff the clowns for the kids everybody wants to see the lion tamer and that's him in this on this record introducing himself because the vocals for me were just insane and i i guess for me because i don't i don't fancy myself a, a a really good great or even average below average singer so for me <laughs> really um, such a dick. no no it's true because because my whole thing is because i don't have that confidence i'm like okay i gotta come up with cool chords and like the cool licks to do this the chords in this song could not be more fucking boring in my life I, that I've ever heard. However, the song is amazing because his vocals are just like, you don't need shit. Anyway, I, again, I'll talk more about that, but like, wow. Wow. For everyone at home, uh, Pete's wife actually messaged us before all this started and said, just don't let him sing. So we're going to edit that out. 
We'll edit that out. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I thought this song was Burn, epic, bro. epic saga storytelling. To me, it like put put the put Gord songwriting capabilities in concrete for Canada to you know it it, it just sets in stone him being able to talk about. Canada's problems. I mean, just if there's any song that's about colonialization that TH put out there early in the days, this might this might be it. You know, he's really getting political with this one. He's angry. He sings angrily within a minute of this song kicking off. You know, it's just very heavy, and I, I don't think it needs. Um, I don't think it needs amazing music or guitar licks or anything complex because he's singing about really complex stuff. I mean, you can look into the lyrics and the storytelling behind it, but um, it's it's heavy. I think it's great. I think it's uh, for the content of the lyrics and the story. I think it's kind of perfect. It's you know, it's a good song. It's a really good song. Two check marks. All right. Yeah. Uh, so this is a band that, you know, started in 84, made that EP in 87, and toured the heck out of that, got their first record, 89, toured the heck out of that. This is a road-tested band at this point. And to me, this next track, The Luxury, is you know, a song written by a road band. And um, I'm, I'm curious how you felt about uh, the luxury, Tim. All right. So the luxury, yeah, it's, uh, I, I really like the lyrics overall, you know, it's a song about a guy down on his luck, which, you know, most everyone can identify with. There's really good tempo. Um, I, wonder you know good tempo for a not fast song i wonder if they ever played this song faster live because i think it has that potential you know sometimes you hear songs from a band and you like super dig it and you go see them live and it's sped up tremendously more and i think sometimes that pisses off fans and sometimes it's an awesome thing to experience and i would guess that seeing the hit play live that you you get to experience things like that so you know, this is this is one of those songs where uh, where I felt like maybe this was a band I missed out on back in the day that I knew nothing about. Take me back to 1991. No idea who Tragically Hip was back right. then, for sure. So this um, this song made me look up um, a live show of theirs from this time period. Oh, I think it was. Uh, a show from Nova Scotia and ah, it just moon. looked awesome and fun and kind of made me get the hip more that yeah, this, this song did it for me. It's, it's, uh, it just, it made me want more. This song made me want more. Well, you get more. Mm. This is only the third track on the record. So that's good news for you, buddy. I agree. It's like, what did, the, what was that movie? Do you remember that movie years ago with, um, Kurt, I think Kurt Russell was in it. It's called Thousand Miles to Graceland. Where it was a bunch of it's like a shoot 'em up thief movie. 
where like everybody was dressed up like Elvis. Everybody was Elvis impersonators. Do you oh, remember yeah, that movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yes, yes. There was a great line in that movie, and I loved it. And he was like 50, 100 million fans or whatever, 50 million fans, whatever. Can't be wrong. You know, because like some guy had said in the movie, like, I don't get Elvis, huh? You know, and like I, I always remember that line. And I thought about like the hip in that sense, how like Tim, you and I weren't, you know, we weren't privy to this at all until this moment in time where JD came into our lives. And uh, it's, yeah, dude, you're, you start to, you're, it's, it's, the camera's really starting to come into focus. The, the, the intro to this song was probably, I just, it just sets a really nice tone. I, 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 don't, I can't add much more to it. I think Tim really kind of summed it up. I'd just re- be repeating what he said, but I really enjoyed this song. And very much um, like a band who is road-weathered. Yeah. Not in a bad way, just like experience, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. They put uh, in the time. The the bass line in here to me was also like a little bit 90s grunge. Like it just had that heaviness to it. Um, it just suits the song really well at the if you listen closely at the the end of it i don't want to i don't want to talk about i only listen to end of songs for fuck's sake <laughs> it sounds that way <laughs> <laughs> but the no the end of this has like really nice guitar harmonics just like slowly right yep ending it to zero it's just it was it's just a well-produced song yeah yeah really really just fucking great <laughs> i love how gritty it is and grimy it is and i just think of that you know hotel that they're staying in right like my goodness they're they're playing in front of 10 15 people at sometimes you know they're yeah it's just the golden rim motor in somebody oh somebody broke a lamp in their room that night smash it against the wall you know something happened at that hotel that night that's right absolutely <laughs> brings us to track five which is born in the water i 
probably, it's weird. I don't have any like least favorite songs because I really enjoyed every song on it. But if I had to say this was, this and one other are like the songs I'm least excited about. But, um, yeah, yeah, Tim. Um, and me too. I don't know. And me too. I, I, I thought the breaks were really cool. The vocals were Again, every, pretty much every song on this record, Gord Downey's vocals are. I, if I was the recording engineer in the in the um, in the studio, I'd just be like looking at the other guys, being like, "What the fuck is this guy, man?" Like, <laughs> no, really, I don't think I don't think when you really listen to it and you dig into it, especially when you put all the records together, it's one thing to hear one record or a couple of songs. But when you see how it gets progressing, it's kind of like a, he starts, he's becoming more powerful. He's like a fucking, you know, he's like a, like a villain or something in a video game who like is collect, or like Thanos, he's collecting more shit for the fucking, the gauntlet hand, whatever it was, he, the more infinity stones. And he's becoming stronger. Like the voice is just getting crazy. And, um, I, this was one where I actually enjoyed the harmonies in it, where it didn't sound super uber like late 80s, um, early 90s. I, I liked the harmonies in the song, so that's where I stand with it. How about you, Tim? I think it's a really rocking song. I thought it's probably maybe perhaps better live. Um, it's a little overkill on the slide guitar. You know, if you're, we talked about George Thorogood before, you know, if you're Elmore James back in the day, slide guitar is your thing. This, this, this one just, it just was a little bit overkill for me. Um, not, not my favorite. The, the chord progression, the guitar kind of in and out, up and down. Um, it's just, if you want to go for it with kind of this slide guitar blues, you know, rock and song, sure, this is it. But to throw it in the middle of an album that has like a, a good progression going, a good cadence going of like a buildup of rock and then all of a sudden be like bluesy, slidey. It's just it, it's just not my favorite. It's um, it's, you know, as far as the song, you know, story content goes, there's something in there about segregation or racism or Christianity gone wrong or, you know, there's definitely a continuation of societal issues that um, Gord keeps touching on, which I love. I mean, I, I, one thing I'm really respecting about this band is he was fucking touching on issues that were hundreds of years old and probably, you know, very appropriate for the time also. So there's kind of like, mad respect in there if this song was take the whole content of the song and if the lyrics are about a woman in a tight red dress and heels and bright red lipstick only you know dancing across the room caught my attention you know she got on top of the bar blah 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 something trashy i would totally not like it right I mean, it would just it would just but it's like the the dna of the song almost is there but the story within the song is I think it's heavy stuff. It's really hard to kind of put my finger on what he's referencing. Part, part of it is a, a uniquely Canadian thing, and that is um, French language laws in a city called Sault Ste. Marie. They decided they weren't going to obey 
the French language laws in Canada. Okay. And so there was, um, you know, obviously some political uproar about that and uh, it impacted the Sioux in, you know, sort of a, a negative light. Hmm. And um, this song has got a little bit to say about that. Smart as, okay. smart as trees in Sioux St. Marie. I can speak uh-huh. my tongue. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I love, I I personally really dig that about this band being. Yeah, there's point. lots of uh, lots of to nibble on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the songs that you're sort of like, meh. And this to me is an album song. Like it's it's a meh. You know, it's <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, but it's an album song. And uh, I would say that um, there's still interesting things to pick off the the vine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the next song, we get into the tragically hip tradition of giving you a slow song, something to dance to, something to pull that lover in close and dance tightly to, but with lyrics that, you know, just don't necessarily fit the mood uh, that the music is conveying, <laughs> um, you know, something a little heavier or more insidious lurks beneath. Uh, I'm wondering if either of you felt that way with long time running big time. I, I, I heard, unfortunately for me, purple rain. Oh yeah. Whoa. Purple, purple rain happened in my head at the first time I heard the song start and I could not get that out. And if you go back and listen to purple rain, play the song long time running and listen to purple rain. And it's like, sure. It's different different content different in general but man is it like early 90s kind of breakup song or tragic song or hold your lover close song let's slow it down it's just so to me it was just like okay this this is feeling really typical you know what's next oh really yeah yeah it was just didn't didn't do anything for me oh wow yeah, it's yeah, okay. Sorry, hip fans who love the song and play it on you know every year on your anniversary or what the fuck. No, it's one of those songs, songs where, uh, in the hip community. People get teased because people will will ask if they think this is appropriate to play as a wedding song. But the song is about <laughs> the song is uh, about the destruction of a of a oh. marriage, right? Like okay, yeah, no, it's not a wedding song then. Yeah, Pete, what did you think, well, not- buddy? Well, neither is uh, every breath you take, man. Yeah, if you listen point. to Sting's uh, Sting's explanation of that. No, I, okay. I love this song. I, I, Tim, I didn't. I guess I subconsciously may have thought of Purple Rain, but like knowing the chords, the ice cream chords that that um, is it. Rob Baker. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's playing this particular the the rhythm on it as well but just just really super simple chords um i heard some ridiculous mike mccready vibes in there which this is obviously a little before a couple years before pearl jam but that you know i hear it a couple times on this record but that that fender strat 59 those 59 pickups or whatever that McCready uses, it just sounds very twangy and like a, you know, he's playing a strat. You can, right. can put a blindfold over your head yeah. and a, 
over your eyes and a gun to your head, and you Whoa. know he's playing that. And um, that escalated. Why a gun? It's this was a song where <laughs> I realized like how much I take taking Cord Downey's vocals for granted. Like I, I kind of can't wait till we keep going through this to go back to the to the EP and go back to the previous records as we move on because I just feel like I taken his vocals for granted. Like uh, it's another one, another banger. And the line that got me in this song, which was so cool, which was, um, "We don't go anywhere, just on trips." Yeah, yeah, man. Oh fuck, dude. I mean, oof, that just burn. That just cuts deep, man. <laughs> My favorite lyric in the song is because of the main podcast, fully and completely. Uh, Greg brought it to light that the line "drop a caribou, I'll tell on you, I'll tell on you." Um, dropping a caribou is like dropping a dime on somebody, you know, like making the phone call. Because a car- uh, our Canadian quarter, which is what it costs to make a phone call, has a caribou on the one mm. side. So that lyric is like, I'll drop Ooh. a caribou. I'll tell on you. I'll tell on you. I'll tell on you. Yeah, man. It's heavy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back and listen to this one. With yeah, you better. You better. Prince on, on my brain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Put your prince away, man. <laughs> Bring it all back. Um, I certainly... This record and this song stood out for me too. The 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 intros to this song to the on this record and this one specifically sounds so much. They're so much more unique um, than the previous two. Um, more diverse. Again, I could say it. I'm just gonna keep saying it. The vocals on this song were fucking out of this world. There's a guitar interlude. So at uh, minute 35. There's a guitar interlude that it it just the way it builds up it really just kind of melts your face. Um, I love it, and uh, yeah. I thought the production was just the production was really good on this. Like, I mean, you just hear it, you're like, whoa! It sounds better than a lot of the like platinum record stuff production wise, be it. You know, I think probably around the same time GNR's Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 were out. Yeah, yeah. Does that make, does that sound about right? Yeah. Or maybe this was right before, but like the production on it just is leaps and bounds over any of the shit that was out that day. Especially for this song, I really noticed it on. So what about you, Tim? Bring it all back. I, I knew this would be your song, Pete. Song, but I love it. I, I knew you'd like this one. I I, I think that yeah, the um, hmm. uh, I, I hear you on the lyrics. Um, you know, you got what you want. You wanted release. You know, it's just like it's it's pretty pretty heavy. The the dueling guitar riffs kind of felt like I was you know in this uh, ping pong you know, match between the wah pedal and slide guitar. It just became a little much for me. I, I got it and it fit with the song. Um, just That's just not my real cup of tea as far as rock and roll goes. I, I wasn't, this, this, this song didn't, didn't do it. Didn't do it for me. There is, there is one coming up that, that did, but the song wasn't my favorite. 
Well, I'm looking at the track listing right now, and I see after Bring It All Back comes Three Pistols. Pistols was a good like it just it brought me back into the album. It's just kind of recharged it for the next few songs. Um, the thing about Three Pistols is I ended up with Paul Langwa. How do you say his name? Yeah, yeah Paul Langwa. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, these these he was interviewed on some Canadian radio station, and 
and it was funny because I like the song, but I got where they were coming from. They said, Paul, what is going on with the, the back, the backup vocals here? What, what, who is that singing and what is going on? And he's like, yeah, that is me. And he said, uh, you know, I never listened to my recording at the time and I just didn't hear the song until it came out. And when I finally heard it, I, he just made fun of himself. He's like, oh, my God, I had this the most nasally voice during that recording session. Um, you know, the, the what what cat are you swinging was a reference because his voice is just so in the in the background vocals. Go back and you'll hear it. It was just it was a funny and it becomes a solid card. It becomes yeah, yeah, uh, it becomes okay. what it does. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's fun. amazing because he they all kind of made fun of him and they all had to laugh about it, but in the song it works. Like it's um it just it just worked out. So I like three pistols a little bit, you know, I, I listened to it a few times and the first time I heard it I was like, Okay, that's some that's some backup vocals that haven't really happened yet. You know, looked it up, heard the interview with Paul, went back and listened to it a, definitely a few more times and thought, you know, this is another one of the, the hip songs where I want to hear it live. You know, I just, I get to that point with them because I know they toured so much and had so much ground to cover across Canada. And I kept imagining this band just driving and driving and driving and driving between towns, you know, to get to the next show and, um, and this song, Three Pistols, is another one I'll look up to get a live rendition of because it's 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 a it's a great song. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, what did you think? For me, there, Three sir, Pistols. Hmm. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I loved. I love the the the, the repeating. The the. the the, 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 just the, the, the words Three Pistols and like the way he delivers it. This is another one where the vocals are just at, probably for me the biggest one vocal wise for Gord Downey on this one. Um, I pictured him singing this song live and literally having the fucking crowd in the palm of his hand like a fucking magician. Like he could yeah. do whatever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted on stage with this song because it's so the vocals are just so crazy this was actually the song that i said um three pistols is the song where i said uh where i wrote down the swagger because there's there's a moment in there where there's a couple of them where where he gets a woof you know right right just throws a fucking woo in there like like not a not a not a scream not a not a or just just a woo, like I'm what the fuck? And I again, that's what I pictured on like him being on stage, just just doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do, and it really comes through in this in this song. Um, again, another one where the chords aren't like extremely complicated, and it made me think. And I wrote this down. And I said he could at this point. This is the point where I'm noticing that. Um, that the hip could play the chords to Mary Had a Little Lamb or fucking uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. But when Gord Downey's singing the lyrics Same or whatever, chords. it just it won't sound anything like that. It'll just be like, 
holy shit, this is what the what's this, man? This is a new like it just the vocals on this record did it for me, man. So yeah. Yeah, you're big on the vocals. Cause I think, I mean, what's what's even better than having a band that can play Mary Had a Little Lamb is a band that can play it as tightly and uh, you know, um it's pretty straight up, but it's like it's tight and again, road weathered, you know, like they're just, they know they can, imp- they're like an improv troupe. Uh, when, when we get to That's the a good point, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you know, the, the way they write together is, you know, standing in a circle and just, or sitting in a circle and just starting to just jam. And then, you know, Gord will pull out his notebook and, you know, they, they just sort of keep, doing things it's really quite fascinating yeah that sounds about right sounds about right uh fight yeah fight um the groove in this is just um it's uh it's me coming back from a break a smoke break Working at the roadhouse, um, wiping the wiping the Coors original off my fucking chin, and staring across the room and giving a giving a wink and a nod to Swayze, who's my fucking who's my my uh, my coworker bouncer, you know. I mean, not to say I'm Sam Elliott or anything, but just this song is just like so hardcore, and I don't want to fight. And that was that was Swayze's thing too. I didn't dig much into the lyrics, but I remember Swayze saying the the um, the best fight or something in that in that movie is one you don't you never have to have or something of that mm-hmm. too. That's the vibe I got from this from this song. I dug it. And then again, the Fender Strat, the Strat tone in it is like it's Stevie, it's fucking Mike McCready, it's it's just it's cloud. You can't can't go wrong with a Strat. What about you, Tim? I think it had this pretty classic 80s feel, rock and roll, wah pedal in the riff section. Yeah. You know, it's I it it, it felt um, it felt like it had a place in this slot in the album. Uh, it didn't didn't look too much into the lyrics or story. It felt it felt like uh, you know, if we're gonna sing a song, rockin' song about kind of lost love or a relationship gone awry, or I don't know, I'm, I was thinking about Evelyn, whoever Evelyn was. You know, this this song, um, it, it it I I felt like it had a good place in the in the album, but kind of just kept moving on after this one. All right, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's almost six minutes. Yeah. Now, to me, yeah. it's six great minutes. But I understand if you're not quite vibing it, that six minutes is a long time. And it's yeah, it's a blues tune too, man. It's 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 sure twelve bar blues. It's you know that can get old. I'm with you. I'm with you, Pete, on the groove. It's just dripping with like groove. You know. Totally. I didn't feel I didn't feel it was a long song. Like I, oh, no? I yeah, I felt like it was just a for the slot in the album it fits. Uh didn't grab me otherwise, didn't feel like it was too long, too short, too anything. It's just uh I just thought it was a pretty solid kind of regular song for the album. 
far as uh, you know, solid but sort of ordinary songs go, to me that's uh, you know a one line description of the next track, which is on the verge. I dug this one. I got. I got a. I'm, I don't. I'm getting to okay. that point to where you know. Hit fans are like going, oh great, Tim doesn't like this one too. No, that that's not it, guys. That's totally not it. The band, the band's still growing on me. But I thought On the Verge was great. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, just a good rocking song. I think I could, I could see like the crowd kind of going nuts to this one. Um, it's pretty aggressive. The the bass guitar at the end you know there's just solid bass playing throughout i i more and more starting to hear the bass starting to shine through the tragically hip song so i i really dug this song just super solid song for me yeah you uh on the verge was a song where tim you mentioned the the bass was i mean it's the first thing i wrote down the bass was so heavy and um, side note and sort of disclaimer for all the super big hip fans out there, like like it's it trying to really digest these records within a week is difficult because most people and I we've said this before, guys. You know, you guys have you know been been soaking this soup up with your fucking bread for you know many many years now and. And, and, you know, give us, you know, come, let's, we should do a reunion in 10 years, JD, and <laughs> do, this, do this podcast all over again and see where we're at. Cause no, it's just, but like, these are all initial thoughts. And, and this song, um, it's, I don't know if you noticed this, Tim, JD, I'm sure you did just cause the, by virtue of the fact you've listened to it a million times, it's besides the chorus that breaks after. You know, or the, the where the song changes, it, it doesn't change till fifty seconds into the song. It's one chord. They're playing one chord, repeating the same chord. Like there's not there's no chord changes. It's just one chord. But again, his fucking vocals, man, can drive. You can play one chord in a song with one string, and it, the vocals just drive it because it's just so. I don't know, man. I dig that guy, man. I, I mean, yeah. I, shit. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I noted that there wasn't much guitar going in on this on this song, which compared to the past few songs, there's a lot of guitar happening. But right. there wasn't a whole lot of guitar going on. There's really good drums. There's really good bass. You know, there's a great chorus. There's um, backup singing happening. You know, it's just this one kind of let the the band shine more maybe equally rather than I don't know maybe it, maybe it was a more on on Gord leading it with his more aggressive style singing like I could hear him singing this one at a live show just going bananas with the vocals just how at whatever level he wants you know which would be amazing to do as a musician you know to be on tour and being like okay tonight I'm gonna fucking let the crowd have it with the on the verge lyrics or not. I think this is the the perfect marriage of like, you know, they've had enough time on the road so they know what songs are going to work on the stage and the way they're writing them. Sometimes they're writing them during, during a set, they're writing a song. So they get, 
immediate crowd vibage, you know, whether this is going to work or not. And then they've now been in the studio with this producer once. So they know how to, you know, bring that energy or describe the energy they're trying to bring and put it on tape. And that's pretty impressive to, to, you know, put a, a record that sounds like it's made to be played live and put it in, you know, a studio setting. Uh, it's just, that's interesting to me. I agree, man. That's a good point, JD. That brings us to Fiddler's Green. And Pete, you said off the bat that you were shocked that it's not a single. Let's hear what you think about Fiddler's Green. I think that I, I, the more I think about it and what I said, I, I mean, I get that I think about the time frame of it and what was going on in back then and everybody having a long hair and, you know, a fucking still wearing a leather vest and, you know, with their dicks hanging out and fucking everybody just wanting some hard fucking hard nose. You rock and roll, man, you know? So I get that you now the more that I think about it, but... Fiddler's Green, holy shit, what a song. JD, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, it was raining quite profusely here in Malaga, and I was listening to that song, and I I think I left you two voice messages that I deleted. Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, I didn't leave wow. them to you. I didn't send them. I just I recorded them, deleted them before I sent it, because I was just like in awe of this song. I just... So cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you want me to say, dude? What do you want me to say about Fiddler's Green? I can't say anything. I'm not going to I'm not gonna say anything nuanced. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song, man. Super simple. Just makes you feel warm inside, man. Like a, like a fucking nice cup of taster's choice. <laughs> subject matter though is like so sad i mean i'm not sure how much digging you did but ostensibly fiddler's green is heaven for sailors and the protagonist of this song is a little boy that was gord's nephew and um he died at wow. a young age uh, uh, okay. they don't mention the age but um presumably the little boy's birthday is september 17th um because that's how my daughter that's how we look at it as hit fans um my wife became a mother that day so that's mother's day september 17th for a girl i know it's mother's day I could I could talk about this song for a long time. This is a this is a great song. This is a truly uh, truly great song, but very sad and not performed live very often. Um, I believe the first time it's played live is in two thousand and six, and that's going to be the version uh, that we got to hear because uh, apparently just too emotional. What do you think, Tim? What do you think about that? I concur with uh, Pete on this one. I felt like it's a beautiful song. It feels like a classic. Like I had wondered 
if any other band had done this song, like where did this song come from? You know, it just the placement on the album was really interesting to have, you know, before the ender to have this something that feels like it could have been played. I don't know in the fifties or sixties and some Irish pub, you know, I, right. just, I felt like, yeah, I felt like this song is like something I want my dad to hear in the car. You know, it just, it's this classic kind of perfect wow, song. I love it that. Is. Something I want my dad to hear in the car. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, oh man. The song I, I played it once and I kind of thought, okay, that's, that's its own novel right there. Whatever the song is, just kind of yeah. left it lie. Jesus. Did yeah. they do it live much? Do you know, JD? No, they, uh, like they're again, like Pearl jam, like people track, like people followed them yeah. Yeah. on the road and, um, and track their set list. Like they do different sets every night. Like they take, sure. they easily take a hundred songs on the road. Like it's just nuts. Uh, so you get different set lists every night and then they are writing in the middle of their set right at the same time. So wow. a live show by them was, was like a treat. Like it was just so special. <laughs> you know? I imagine if this one was played live, I just, when I heard it, I thought if they ever, I just keep going there with them. Like what, what was this life? Cause I knew they toured so much, but I, I just thought if this was ever played live, that that was probably super fucking special and probably freaked people out. Like, yeah. Just thought I, it I was think you're like, right. Yeah. I, I just didn't know like when you show up at a venue and when you might hear the song. It just felt really rare. A quick look on uh, setlist.fm shows me that they've played Fiddler's Green uh, starting in 2006 and they played it right to the end. The, the last show they did play Fiddler's Green. Uh, they played it 93 times in total out of 1300 shows. So pretty rare, pretty, pretty rare. I would say. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's called Fiddler's Green. For a girl I know it's 
where he will stay this once during all of my shows of going to see this band play across Canada or flying to fucking San Francisco to see them play, which was probably killer to do as a Canadian. 
Um, if I heard the song live, I'd probably be like, whew, box checked, you know, thank God yeah. they played that finally, finally got to hear it, you know, and that's that, that throws me back to Grateful Dead fans, fish fans, you know, all kinds of folks who are heads of bands. Yeah. They have this list going and going and going and going and going. And if they ever get to hear that one special song played, it's like, woo, you know, this is yeah. definitely one of, this is definitely one of those. Yeah. I agree. So the record yeah. winds down then with Fiddler's Green, but um, we don't say goodbye before hearing a song called The Last of the Unplucked Gems. I thought it had like a really beautiful start, you know, it just gripping start. Um, yes, it's a, it's a quick one. It, it's a short song. It ends quickly it kind of closes the chapter of this album um which you know in a strong way there's really minimalistic drums going on it's you know a lot about the acoustic parts of it i thought that it could have been you know 30 or 45 seconds longer because the acoustic portions in the song are really nice like it's there's some beautiful parts to it and i I think looking back and hearing the album and hearing these last two songs and hearing how Last of the Unplugged Gems ends kind of quickly made me look forward to hearing the next album, which I'm so happy to say at this point. You know, I had expectations for this album to be, you know, more gripping, to hear more things I liked. Um, I wasn't necessarily going, God, I hope they don't do this, or I really don't like that. You know, I'm trying to trying to be a good critic here to point out things that I think, you know, were appropriate to the era of the early 90s, you know, spinning off of the late 80s. And um, this the song was a good way to go out. You know, it made me look forward to hearing the next one um, to, to keep going. Cool. All right. How about you, Pete, sir? Uh, Last of the Unplugged Gems. So I have to say, uh, Tim's, Tim's, Tim's um, response is really unique because I don't think this record even... If I'm the producer, they probably fought to get this on the record. Somebody fought to get this on the record in the band. Guaranteed the producer was like, this ain't going on the fucking record. Sorry, chappies, um, because it sounds like a B-side. It sounds super yeah. raw. Production-wise, yeah, agree with that. It's nothing like the the rest of the record. And I think I don't check the notes on who wrote it or whatever, but um, I think whosoever decision or push was to get this on the record is like it's a it's an Easter egg, if you will. It's a it's a it's a Telegraph your pass. Um, they're 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 just telling you guys. Oh hey, I hope you enjoyed uh, Road Apples. This is where we're headed next. See you later. And that's it. And it ends. Sorry, sorry to interject, but could you in essence say that similar thing about Fiddler's Green? I don't know um, because I think there was something on the previous record. I can't remember the song off. And where I really got, not all, because it was much more, what, heavier than Fiddler's Green? But that acoustic vibe I got 
some Fiddler's Green vibes, like it's something they had done before, but this song okay. sounded completely new. But I, I hear you, Tim, because I don't think they, I don't think they completely bury stuff like Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like these last two songs kind of wrapped up the album well. I'm still, I guess, my recap of it is, it's still a mix mash. Wow. Of an album produced together of all these songs. You know, I I, oh, I mean I'm Chris. I love live shows. Okay. I love going to gigs. I love, you know, experiencing the mood a band is in. And often you get in a live show, you get kind of a a feel of that show you can go see. I'm sure this happened with the hip. I'm sure you could go to fucking I don't know. Montreal and hear them play, and if you happen to be in Edmonton six, three, whatever weeks later and hear them there, it could be entirely different, and I think that's fucking amazing about gigs. And I'm waiting for one of these albums to have that kind of congruence throughout, you know, to be like the rocking album or the whatever album. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of anticipating that, you know. If you go back through artist catalogs, you always hear a progression or a maturing or whatever you whatever it is. And so far with the hip, I'm hearing, you know, uber talent and them testing the waters kind of in different areas still. So for album number three, it's I'm really anticipating what four will bring. Or maybe this is the mix of the hip forever, which ultimately kicks ass you know if that's what they can do tim Tim said something um in his analysis too that he thought it could have been 30 or 40 seconds longer and again it leads me back to what i said about thinking it was a b-side or a demo that maybe it wasn't even finished yet but this was just something they wanted to throw on the record because they're just like this is where we're going maybe they didn't have anything else to add to it and they just threw it on there because they liked it so much but yeah i I don't know. Maybe they do conceptualize and 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 tie the songs together into a more um, f- formal quilt, if you will, in latter records. Who knows? But I either either way, I'm. It's fun to see where it's going. It's cool. I dig it. And I liked I liked this as a last track because it was it was a big question mark. I'm sure in a lot of people's eyes, it was like sorry to compare this, but do you ever hear the the um, the song Zeropa, or the album Zeropa by U2. Yeah. Um, not the biggest U2 fan, but I'm, I, I love that record a lot. And the song The Wanderer, which is the very last song on it, which Johnny Cash sings, actually, is so out of, like, it's just so, it's not an indicator of what they do afterward. It's just, you're like, why is this on the record? Just this random weird song with Johnny Cash at the end. But it really just puts a sweet bow on the record. And I think the song did that. Sorry if I'm ranting a bit, but I dug it. No, that's good. That's good. I think that's that's fun insight. You know, when uh, I think one thing we haven't really talked about is um, album covers. And, you know, getting thrown these these albums each week during this process, that's like the, the first thing I experience. And... This cover specifically, Road Apples is is 
definitely different than the rest. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, I judge a book by its cover at all, but I sensed, you know, something more polished, you know, something more uh, mindfully thought through. And I think, I think we got it. So, you know, I ended up going back and looking at lots of their other album covers. Man, they vary really stylistically. Oh man, did they ever, but I think they nailed this one with the horse on the cover because mm-hmm. the, the story goes that they wanted to name it. Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit inside baseball and um, because the record was going to be called Saskadelphia. And uh, the reason it was going to be called Saskadelphia was again, life on the road, you know? So the record company said, no, it couldn't be called that because it sounded too small town or some, something along those lines. And uh, so the, the hip came back with road apples and the, the executives were like, we love it. Road apples are, <laughs> are slang for, is for horse shit. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they pulled a, that's why the horse is on the front, you know, I, I yeah. suspect anyway. Yeah. Um, so sort of funny, right? No, I dig it. And I think it's, you know, important to think back to the times, you know, late 80s, early 90s, a lot of the 90s. Bands productions visually were awful. And some of it was some of it was amazing, but like, you know, you could blame a lot of that on MTV. Well, any final thoughts on Road Apples, fellas? I dig it, man. I'm 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 excited to see where it goes. I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I loved it more than the previous. I continue to, to be um, intrigued. I need to go back and uh, listen to some of it in the car, like we talk about, talked about. You know, uh, uh, Tom Petty. He, he's one of the guys who said, "Yeah, after we record an album, we go rent the shittiest car we can find and put it in the tape player and drive around and hear how bad it is on the shittiest stereo system to make sure it still sounds good." You know, it's not that my car is a shitty stereo system. It doesn't sound like it's like Pete's though. But yeah, I need I need I need some more I need some more car time with this one for sure. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, fellas, you know what we do at the end of every episode? We put a, the proverbial gun to your head and ask you to pick one track from a record that will make up a playlist at the end of the series that everybody will have access to. They'll have the Tim playlist and the Pete playlist. What did you think of uh, a, 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 an MVP track or a track that you would put on your playlist there, Mr. Lydon? You know, I had uh, Born in the Water chosen. And I think at the time, because it felt, uh, of listening to it, it was it felt most bluesy George Thorogood. You know, I had all these, these slide guard guitar references, which I, I really like. Um, yeah, that was, that was my track. That, that was one that I just kind of picked as this, uh, solid for their specific era of style of playing. That was, that was the, the tune for me. Cool. All right. Pete. Um, I was going to say three pistols, but I cannot, deny that the power of fiddlers yeah you were, you, you were big on that song yeah yeah i got i got a little emotional with that one to be honest yeah yeah it's a it's a tearjerker that's for sure 
All right. Well, thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Good to see you. you. Talk to you next week. Cheers. Pick up your shit. Thanks for listening to Getting Hip to the Hip. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show at gettinghiptothehip.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettinghippod. And join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fully and completely. Questions or concerns? Email us at jd at gettinghiptothehip.com. We'd love to hear from you. some such. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.